whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. It's the 1980s with the Literary License Podcast retrospective of 80s horror films with your co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, John Wilson, and Keith Shago keeping everything tubular and rad. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. They'll say. She wouldn't even I'm your number one fan. Hello, welcome to the Joe's Podcast, and this is our two for one, the 80s. And our, we're covering The Changeling from 1980 and John Carpenter's The Fog from 1980s. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got John Wilson with us. Hello, John. Hello, folks. Joe Rendazzle. Hello, Joe. Hello, everyone. Matthew Brockmeyer. Hello, Matthew. Hello, hello, hello. I'm going to massacre Jim's last name. Jim, well, well hello. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. How you doing? And Craig Johnson. Hello, Craig. Hello, everybody. And David Grunt. Hello, David. Hello there. <laughs> and Vicky will be with us later. She's having internet connections because she's been bootlegging off her neighbors. Um, I've been pretty busy, uh, getting ready for the shock fest out in LA with, uh, my book short and then, uh, for Appalachian, um, currently writing, uh, finding Angela at this time on Exhum has been released last month and doing very well with reviews on Amazon books. Um, I got a request to enter the book short in the British Independent Film Festival and also in the Boulder, Colorado uh, Film Festival, uh, but uh, coming up in March and April, both of those. So uh, it's been pretty busy. Oh, excellent news. Mm -hmm. What about yourself, Craig? What have you been up to? Um, uh, Just been uh sorting out the the merchandise website at craigsworld.org um there's a couple of galleries on there um if you want to check it out um you can see me and david's work and our mm. artwork uh and we've still got a show on in um, the cup of joy restaurant in east finchley in north london if anyone's local and wants to pop in and see the work it's on, it's on display um for, for this season Hi there. What about yourself, yeah. David? What are you doing up to? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of um, 
just been sort of uh, working on some new songs, rehashing some old ideas. And uh, there's a song called, uh, I've decided to call it Paradox now, which is about, you know, the human condition, I guess, you know. But uh, yeah, and, and actually starting to learn to play the piano, you know, which is quite interesting. And because um, I just play the bass, but um, I thought it'd be nice to try and sort of try a different instrument, like, you know. So that's what I've been doing at the moment. And yourself, Matthew, what have you been up to? I've uh, been getting some short stories published here and there. Got uh, one recently in Year's Best Hardcore Horror. Got a Christmas one that's coming out right now. Uh, hard at work on a new novel about a uh, Grateful Dead tour and, you know, the pot growing scene. Pretty scary, fun. Good. That's stuff. really cool. Did you see somebody's making, I don't know who it was, I just saw it this morning. They're making um, a movie about Jerry Garcia. I can't remember Martin who they says he's making it. Huh? Martin Scorsese's making yes, it. Yes, that's it who it was. Jonah I was Hill. reading that this morning. That would be really cool. I don't know how many of you have been to a dead show, but they were a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I did Dead Tour from 89 to 95. Oh, God. Those stuff. are the days, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know how we did it without phones. It's, it's, I look back on it, and I'm like, wow, so the shit we did, man, it was wild. Yeah, but it was fun. Social oh, media yeah. was a thing. We did. Social media is evil <laughs> in a lot of capacities right now so but i have noticed you're doing a lot of stories I, I i watch you well you know i always make comments when stuff comes out so thank you and what about yourself joe what have you been up to uh since the last time i was here um i had um i was in, in discussions for a project that uh that joe estevez sent my way i signed the nda to that and i started helping kind of formulate the story. I don't know how, um, how involved I'm going to be in it, but um, at the very least it's, uh, it's begun. Um, I did sign an NDA, so I can't say too much about it. It's a, it's going to be a historical drama. Um, wow. I don't know if they're going to have me write the screenplay or not. I know I'm help, I'm assisting at least with the story. Um, also I'll be ghostwriting, so it'll be uncredited. Um but yeah, the NDA is signed, and I started work on it on uh, yeah a couple days a week. Excellent. Yourself, John? I am officially moved. I'm now uh, you know out of Manhattan, and I'm now in Jersey. So <laughs> my accent will change. <laughs> my accent will change from here to there. <laughs> You're across a little the bit river. California, a little bit of Missouri. <laughs> You'll sound really going confused. all over the place. <laughs> You'll be a confused New Yorker like I am. I'm down here in Texas. When I go back home, everybody's going, what'd you say? <laughs> what'd I <know>. you say? <laughs> uh, other than that, I've just been, you know, trying to trying to settle in. And, you know, I watched Halloween, which I, I forgot to ask you guys earlier about that and what you thought about that. Halloween uh, kills? Especially. Yeah. I wasn't uh, nearly upset as much as social media was. Oh, my God. I had friends who were <laughs> – so we watched it in the basement of my friend's house in Copake in the, in the dark. It was on Halloween weekend, and they were so pissed. And I was like, you guys, it's a freaking movie, and you didn't see this coming? Like, come on. That's like everybody flipping out and tripping balls over Rob Zombie making the monsters. It's just like, yeah, just don't watch movie. it. Just a movie. It's a, don't watch it. I saw people saying about Halloween Kills it's the worst slasher movie they've ever seen. I'm like, you haven't I seen it. I thought the kills were good. I, I didn't think it was that bad. Jeez, like people need to calm down. I think it also just gave it gave the fans what they wanted, right? So my friends knew nothing about the franchise. So I was the one who was the Disney. annoying person who uh, was going, oh my oh. God. And, the, uh, and I was like, and my friend's like, will you shut up? Will you just shut up? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I don't even. I don't even think it's the worst slasher movie in the Halloween franchise, let alone no, the worst either. slasher movie ever. By I no think people comparison. definitely overreacted to that. <laughs> There's always going to be a problem with Halloween Kills anyway because it's part of a trilogy and it's the middle film of a trilogy. So, yeah. well, the continuity is coming kind of late in the game, I guess. But you've had different directors doing it and dissecting it and making it their way. So, I just think I create. I say it's almost like a multiverse, right? So that it's not the same universe. So people need yeah. to get their head that it's like, oh my god, they are not following, and it's like it's not meant to. <laughs> They've never meant to. This franchise is the most disjointed franchise aside from Friday the Thirteenth that ever existed, <laughs> right? It's like, come on. Was it the last Wait, one? The last one will probably be called Shallow Shalloween. Yeah, Shalloween. <laughs> more sort of shrunken down. <laughs> yeah. Even the Friday the 13th movies have more continuity. <laughs> Halloween, I mean, Halloween kind of matches the whole Texas Chainsaw um, Massacre franchise. It's very yeah. and they keep All the reboots and the, let's go back to real origin stories and let's go forward and let's yeah. get this happen. Let's start this happen. I mean, Jamie Every- Lee Curtis has come back three times and yeah. threw it in different incantations. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. everybody's getting confused. That's what. <laughs> well, the, the, the Texas Chainsaw series is worse than this one because every single movie in that series yeah. is a, is a direct sequel to the original and ignoring everything else. So. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> true. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Renee Zellweger and Matthew Connolly never happened. No. <laughs> just erased from yeah. the universe. <laughs> and what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a lot. Um, just hanging out with the kids. They're going to have a long break here again. We've been getting a lot of breaks. They get like all these vacations that we never had when we were kids. But um, other than that, we're just getting ready for Thanksgiving. And I've been watching. I don't know. I Usually I've been trying to watch all the stuff in the Matthews group. I've been trying to follow. You and Jeff always have some good ones. And I still have to watch the one you suggested. I ended up watching Jug Face, though, last night. Anybody watch Jug Face? No. You got to watch it. It's just... Yeah? Very uncomfortable movie. Very uncomfortable. Chad Kinkle uh, directed it. I don't I don't recognize it, but it is a good movie. And I gotta finish the autopsy of Jane Doe when I get out of here. Classic. And and then the we watched I watched Jungle Cruise with Asher because he's been waiting for it. So I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was kind of fun. You know, didn't have any good kills in it, but I tolerated it well. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's going to die? No one. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, there was some well, death, but not cute, enough though. death and destruction. And, you know, you no know the only cannons. people that Disney kill off are the parents. So. There's no blood cannons. <laughs> but no, it was it was good. And, and just get ready for the holidays. I'm trying to selectively shop for everybody. Because mm. everybody that I shop from has to have their own cargo ship or I'm not ordered. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the way that's going down right now but other than that things are good and myself um basically i'm just booking my trip to russia to because we're going to have little big and the hatters of two russian groups coming on to our podcast today. i saw so that cool. real that real nice song of morality you put on my facebook <laughs> it was it was really but it was really the mood i was in at the time so it came in a good a well-placed moment i know i forwarded <laughs> to my friends they're like Did oh you? my god yeah that song is i'm quite looking funny. forward to it because i'm going to be on tour with them for four days 
four days. That's cool. Well, make Fine. sure you send me video. I'm interviewing them while I go on a tour with them. So it'll be all over yeah. Russia. So it'll be going, I think we're hitting four cities in the four days of the matter. So. Watch, Keith is going to come back. Oh, you want vodka? Are you and yeah. you. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you. Looking forward to that. That's quite cool. So but besides that, yeah, I work nine to five. Turn yeah. into a Dolly Parton song. What more can you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, I was. What was I? I was watching. Um, what was it the other day? I was watching. Um, Hostel, the original. Oh gosh, they're heavy. Yeah, yeah, that's more intense if you're high. (laughs) 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 And it registers all the kills register more, so it was more intense. And I was biting pillows, but um, that's that's just such a gruesome film. I love it. But yeah. it was really gruesome, and it was more intensified in my altered state. But <laughs> <laughs> Vicky had me watch a movie; it literally made me throw up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys a- try to gross me out too. You must be talking about Atroz. Is that the one where you went and smoked a couple of cigarettes? <laughs> yes, yeah, that that was something there. That's a tough movie to watch, but it's good. I'll take you up to Newcastle, Vicky. That's a bit like Hostel too. <laughs> Hostel too. I mean, I like the first one really well, but I don't, the second one is okay. But the first one really, yeah, you're was right. disturbing because my daughter, you know, she's always staying in hostels and stuff, and that's the first thing when I hear the word hostel, I immediately go to that film. It's yeah, like yeah. staying in hostels in Europe, you don't want to do that, honey. But <laughs> I won't stay in the hostel. That's for the young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that movie, A uh, Vacancy. That's quite spooky. Oh, yeah. Vacancy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a good one too. I should call. Yeah, that that's really disturbing. You know, <laughs> I still think I still think that most guys got most of their sex education from Basket Case, though. This brings us to The Changeling. The Changeling is a 1980 Canadian supernatural psychological horror film directed by Peter Dick and starring George C. Scott, his wife, Trish Van Devere, and Melvin Douglas. Its plot follows a esteemed New York City composer who relocates to Seattle, where he moves into a mansion he comes to believe is haunted. The screenplay is based upon the events that writer Russell Hunter claimed he experienced while he was living in the Henry Treat Rogers Mansion in the Chessman Park neighborhood of Denver, Colorado in the late 1960s. Hunter served as co-writer of the film. The film premiered in the U.S. Film Festival in Dallas, Texas on March 26, 1980 and was released simultaneously in Canada and the United States two days later. It received positive critical reviews and an early Canadian-produced film to have major success internationally. The film won eight inaugural Genie Awards, including Best Motion Picture. It was nom- nominated for two Saturn Awards. It is considered a cult film, arguably one of the best horror films of all times, and one of the most influential Canadian films of all times. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Changeling, and we'll be right back. That house is not fit to live in. No one's been able to live in it. It doesn't want people. She said she'd seen 
a boy. He, he was trying to come up through the floor, and he kept staring at it. What is it in that house, Claire? What is it doing? Why is it trying to reach me? Will you communicate with us? Will you speak to us? keep cutting to these high shots because I wanted to establish the presence of the ghost, you know. He goes through the house with the architect and they discover hidden behind a second story closet a secret door. We had to really create a facade with depth so we could have kind of little subtle things that you see through the skin of a house. George C. Scott could really take you to a place of agony. And as a director, Peter Medak really was able to bring something out in him that I'd never seen before. And welcome to the Locations featurette for Peter Medak's The Changeling. Almost all of The Changeling was shot on location in Canada. Working on scary movies, it's marvelous. And I love it. I love it to pieces. Welcome back to the Relations Podcast. We're discussing The Changeling from 1980. And starting with you, Matthew, what are your thoughts of The Changeling from 1980? <laughs> well, um, when I was a little kid, that movie scared the shit out of me. I mean, it, I was terrified of that. I mean, I was pretty young. I don't know if it holds up that incredibly well, but it, it made a lot of the tropes that we see today. You know, like the, the, the classic ball scene. We see that, like, in The oh, Shining, yes. which was released at the same right, time. Right, right. <laughs> lots of other films as well. Um, I was really interested in the true case. Yeah, I, what, I was reading about that. From what I can discern, it's all a bunch of hokey made up. I, 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 there's like no photographs or proof or he supposedly found this journal. Where's the journal? I don't, it's, yeah. it seems like uh, I have my doubts about it. Yeah, I was <laughs> reading about it before we got on because I saw that it was might have been taken or based somewhat loosely on a true story. And, mm. and um, I don't, I don't, I was reading about it, but they don't have any evidence or anything. So you don't know, but have I mean, it was interesting Blu- that they got their idea from it. Well, have apparently the there's also, there is a documentary that goes a little bit more into the, really because it's in there Denver. Is. Denver. Is that where it is? Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Well, apparently there's also the, 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 uh, the, there was some claim that in 1969, when all when all these haunted events supposedly took place, uh, the writer said something about it being the hundredth anniversary of someone dying, but there wasn't a house there in 1869. So that that I, I'm trying to remember because I remember reading about it years ago, but I uh, th- there was some some concern over that because he w- he was claiming something about like some centennial 
but there was no property on that land. It was just like farmland with nothing on it a um, hundred years prior. So, so yeah, Indian like Matt said, it's, maybe. What's that? <laughs> An Indian burial ground? Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, actually, was it this story? It was less a, less a house and more a teepee. Well, I do believe that they did. Was it this story or was it the fog? I can't remember which one I wrote it down about. Yeah, I think that there was a house. It was a cemetery there. I'll have yeah. to find the story. I and think they it was moved the it because people couldn't afford to move it. Yeah, or something. Yeah, like they're that. still digging up bodies there. Oh, they the are Max cemetery. Yeah, every time that's awful. That, I mean, I wonder how much poltergeist took away from that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. nobody wants to live. We're a bunch of dead people. Well, then again, people have been dying for like how long? Well, I was going to say in New York, there's the biggest potter's field in the entire country in uh, uh, Washington yeah. Square, where there yeah. was hundreds of thousands of bodies dumped there. And yeah. it was, I think, in the 80s when they kept popping up, bones kept popping up that they were like, oh, my God, we have to literally dig down far enough to get rid of debris in yeah. order so that way some kid doesn't just come by and pick up a collarbone you know it's like we gotta <laughs> like wash there was that a out, great so. line in uh last night in soho i went to see that last week and watched that. And oh yeah it's very good and there's there's a line of that where the uh the young girl asks diana rigg who's her landlord if anybody died in uh in the room that she's renting and she's like, this is London. Everybody has died in every room. In- <laughs> Nobody has true. died in every <laughs> room in this city at some point in time. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So That's it's, it's kind of like that. You, somebody's died everywhere, no matter yeah. where you go. Well, we live on property, you know, where the, the Indians used to come and slaughter the settlers all the time, you know. It's just like no. they come in here and just beat the shit out of everybody and go right back up to Oklahoma. But why is there never any ghosts for people who were murdered like in 1990? <laughs> <laughs> Some schmuck in a Nirvana shirt. I know, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Some ghost walking around in a Britney Spears on the drift. <laughs> I think we're a boon now. They're always like people from the 17 and 1800s. It, yeah, yeah no, nothing nope. before that. Nothing before that either. You don't get any caveman ghosts anywhere. Yeah, yeah. you don't get any pre. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know because again, these entities could be anything, <laughs> right? Well, kind of well, like well, I always find it interesting. Incarnated from someone who's famous, aren't they? It's like <laughs> I know. Yeah, Elvis. I always found it interesting. Wherever <laughs> I've gone, I mean, I haven't gone go. I never really used like did EVPs or something, but I've been ghost hunting for a long time. But I haven't done it in a while. But I always crack up when you go to a different country and people get EVPs and the ghosts speak English. <laughs> just like, you know, it was that like, tourist are they that bilingual died when they die or what's the That's deal? Point. <laughs> it was a tourist that died looking for the ghosts. That's what yeah. pretty much. <laughs> and why can they never tell us what they want? They always have to speak in riddles. Because yeah. there's rules on the other side that they have to follow. <laughs> All right. And they don't have what I have been told. <laughs> here's the other one. If they can walk through the walls, they can walk through the walls. Yeah, you pass Why over with a Scrabble box with all the mis- all the letters missing. <laughs> I think it's one of that one. <laughs> but my, my whole thing is if they can walk through the wall, why don't they fall through the floor? Because <laughs> they're made of energy and they're ethereal. And you're not supposed oh to be thinking about this shit. It's a ghost story. <laughs> it's a ghost thing. <laughs> and these rules that they have to 
follow. What happens if they break these rules? <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, I've been around, I'm serious. I'm not even lying. I have been around so yeah, many different ghost hunting teams. And they're saying that people on the other side, they have rules because people have ghost box. And yeah. a lot of these, go- well, some of them are scared, literally scared the shit out of me. I've turned mine off on occasion. But um, they say that well, there's certain rules. Saying. I don't know. I don't make this shit up. People just tell me. I usually hear <laughs> "fuck you" and "get out," and then that's the end of it. Might just be the Alexa. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the Alexa being naughty. Hey, Becky, <laughs> hold one on a rider. See if we can get a hold of that handbook from uh, from Beetlejuice. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Seriously. Oh boy, Becky, you're gonna have to get my next book. Which book is that? I think I might have already got it. Onyx Zoom. I did. I just bought it. I'm gonna start reading it this weekend. Yeah, that's a ghost story for you. <laughs> there, good deal. Now, the interesting, the interesting thing about the changing, I guess we can say that maybe the reason why the writer said it was a true story, because at this point, ghost stories that were being produced by Hollywood and other um, published um, film companies at the time were, because of the Amityville horror and the success of that, it seemed like everything had to be based on a true story after this, because mm-hmm. the entity certainly comes after this film. Yeah. Yeah. The entity really was disturbing. Especially I love the entity. That movie. I love it, but it's really disturbing. Oh, it's, so, it's so jacked <laughs> up. Oh, my God. You know, Barbara Hershey, I don't know how she did that, but she was exemplary in that film. Really I think was. one of my favorite scenes in that was when she get, literally when they're they just don't believe her and she gets her ass dragged into the bedroom. Yeah. Like that scene. Oh my god. No, when the boyfriend so walks in and she sees that he sees finally what's going on, you know, it's just yeah. like in all of its splendor. Yeah. But but that that's the disturbing thing. That's that's one that's one thing that I feel was missing from from the changeling, though, is that there was never anybody really giving George C. Scott any pushback on it. Well, I mean, he was that like was, a detective, was, though. He was a detective. He was trying to figure out what had happened. Yeah, well, I think like, that was a big that was a big in the review. And I don't remember if it was Ebert who had Roger Ebert who had mentioned it was there was no like he always had his faculties. It was like for a man who literally watched his wife and yeah, child God, get yeah. mowed down. Yeah, he, he just kind of ups and moves. And then he gets put in this mansion, which I, I my biggest problem with that was like, He's one dude. He doesn't even have a family. Oh, what God. That, what was that place got yeah. like 80 rooms? I know. I was like, why does he need a house like this? Who in their <laughs> right mind would give him a house that has 80 rooms? Well, isn't rooms? he kind of watching it for the historical society? It's an historical home. Put him in an apartment. What do you mean a home? Like, that was ridiculous. Yes. It, was, it was like, that was. And then the fact that he just kind of was, I'm going to explore and open up a room that's up in the, like it. And he had no like. Hadn't he heard stuff though? Didn't he hear the banging and he was trying to figure out where the banging well, is? Yeah, but well, he just wasn't scared. He there was no like, I'm just gonna go. I don't care. I'm just gonna do. I'm gonna go. He never was had no in, in um like he no, wasn't intimidated. Yeah, I would have been scared shitless yeah, about that I point. Think, I mean, I That's the issue my roommate had. Well, he wanted the large mansion because he's a music teacher and he needed to have the students there. And he yeah, also yeah. would have big parties with all the people there and stuff like That's that. That's true, too. Oh, he has a widower, too. So he could be like, hey, I need a little game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> right, right in the beginning, though, and I guess this is a generational thing with the World War II generation, maybe. Right in the beginning of the movie where he's meeting up with his friends when he first moves out to Seattle. He says, well, my wife, basically, it's, well, my wife and daughter were killed three or four months ago. Time I know. to move on. Like, I, what I know. <laughs> and there's, yes. a, there's a one scene that's like, 
50 minutes into the movie where he's he's like crying on the bed. I'm like, yeah, should have put that in the beginning of the movie. Like he, yeah. he it seemed like he didn't give a shit about any of them. It seemed it like it was, like, was oh, kind no. of oh, misplaced yeah, at that yeah. point. <laughs> It's just so odd to hear him say, well, they died four months ago. It's time for me to get up and move on with my life. Like, whoa, yeah. your wife and daughter died in front of you yeah. four months ago. And you're like, ah, oh, time to move on. And you <laughs> would also think that that the, um, the re- uh, not the realtor, but the woman that worked, that Claire, who worked at the historical society, you think she would have had a little bit more tact because she knew who he was. And instead she was like, oh, so you're newly single, huh? And she was oh, like, hey, hi, how are you? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. He was such he a tramp. This family, you crazy woman. What is your problem? I know he's a widower who saw his daughter and wife die. That slut. I know. <laughs> like back off, woman. Yeah, but here's my phone number. <laughs> I mean, I think the one thing we need to look at the change. The changeling is not about a ghost story about the ghost um, haunting to scare. It's basically a ghost who's looking for someone to solve the crime that's played. Yeah. Play. Right. And like the fog, this is like we have to pay for the sins of our fathers. That's pretty much what the changing story is here. Yeah. So I think that's probably the reason why you don't have the you get the eeriness and the scariness, but the scariness is that George C. Scott is never really in any peril or any danger whatsoever. Yeah. Because at yeah. the moment the ghost needs him to solve the mystery that's going on. So this is more of a mystery. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. It that's actually it takes us it Detective. takes me back and to And also our- the house is the star of the show. Yeah. Not even so much George C. Scott. It also yeah. just takes me back to our early days when we were talking more Shirley Jackson and talking about her stories and that the haunting isn't necessarily, you know, that pivotal thing. It's the actions of the person responding to the haunting and like, right. why are they getting pulled into that? Why are they getting, why is it them? Right. Why is Cause specifically I'm sure there's been multiple people in that just- house, but it pulled off of, him for some reason to, as a father maybe to be able to say hey i i think i can get this guy to help me figure this out you know do you, do you remember the old movie the haunting well uh, uh it's actually kind of kind of kind of strange you mentioned the haunting because yeah. uh peter medak the director um apparently applied for a job on the 1963 the 1963 version of the haunting didn't get the great. job and right. then uh, Robert Wise, the director of the uh, of the haunting, let him hang out on set. So a lot of what he did here was actually an homage to the, uh, to that movie. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good again, like like Vicky said, the house was like the star in the haunting. You know, definitely the original haunting. Like you know, which is a lot more just beautiful. You know, it's just amazing. You know, the, it's just the sounds in it. You know, whereas like the the remake was more like shock horror type stuff you know but the the original haunting was just beautiful you know poetic yeah absolutely i love both of them (laughs) i mean if you think about with the father being uh you know his daughter just died this ghost was playing off of uh the reason why i think he wasn't really scared is because he noticed that the ghost was using toys the ball the wheelchair was small in size yeah Um, i noticed that um so I kind of had a feeling he knew it was a, a, a young child and not a, an, an adult right. trying, to, trying but, to kill him. <laughs> but he's able to kill because he kills that police officer. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also have to, you have to suspend your, a lot of disbelief when it comes to 
I mean, he literally outside, like the police officer in the car, and then the coin in the well. Like that, that that ghost had reach. Let's just put it that way. It literally yeah. was going across <laughs> counties, and it was like, hey. And I think, well, if you could literally go that far, why couldn't you not solve this yourself? Like, so I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. just yeah. put a memo on the table like this is not his son like literally like, just <laughs> slip it out there like so that there is you had to kind of suspend your disbelief on a lot of yeah, those cops out dug out the well and took the boat boys remains out in the bag yeah. um they did a bad job because you think they, <laughs> they cleaned out that whole entire well and would have found out the bag that's that's the thing do you think there's anything else down there nah Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll no. take your word for it that we're good. <laughs> well, we <laughs> like the way they carried the body out in a clear yeah. plastic bag, too, so you can see it perfectly. <laughs> and then the lady's like, I've just, had, I've just had the sort of bedroom remodernized. Now you're digging up the floor. <laughs> I well, I mean, notice the moment when she saw that, you know, her, her kid reacting. She's like, go ahead, destroy it. <laughs> she was yeah, like, no fine. <laughs> once once <laughs> she saw it, she's like, oh, yeah, you need to get whatever the hell that is out of here because I don't, yeah. I don't have time for this. Get it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you think that the house was so big that it kind of like tried to go after your comfort zone? Because there weren't really any over the top scares, but no. they were subliminal kind of scares, you know? I mean, not really subliminal, that, that they weren't, it wasn't blo- bloody and like horrifying horror. It was kind oh. of all mental. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe yep. pushing a comfort zone a little bit. Because the house was so big, I mean, and there was just so much to explore. And you knew there was going to be a bad room in that place. You just knew it. <laughs> I mean, there's I always a bad though. room. It was, it was more <laughs> less about of a haunting and more of about a mystery, right? Like, yeah. yeah, because you, you spent, I spent less time going, oh, what is the ghost going to do next versus, oh, how is he going to piece or what is going on, right? Because at first he thought it was a girl and then it wasn't a girl and then it was Joseph and, Joseph definitely needed a timeout, but I don't blame him because, you know, daddy did what he did. Well, that but, right there, that seance, that was really a yeah, cool I mean, seance. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was really it's well hard to get those right. And they got this one right. Yeah. yeah. It's so spooky the way she was just like but, taking over. And just are you the g- child that got killed by the cold part? Yeah. I mean, that was just, but, it, but, you know, when that, you, I, when that's you, what I like about this movie. When yeah. you hear the kid's voice, it's uh, on on the tape. It's it's less spooky, more sad. Like I just sat there going, "Oh, yeah. this poor kid," because yeah. you just hear him kind of cry. My father, how did you die? My father, and it's, oh, mm. oh man, it actually like hits you in the heart. Yeah. Um, well, sad. Well, and I it love is. that he. I love that it he is. actually was able to. I guess almost give him a premonition of what had happened, and then it was transmittable. Meaning then then Claire comes and he, and it does it to her as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like I need more people on my side, but like, imagine, mm-hmm. imagine something forcing that on you. Like, I don't want you to show you my last moments of my life, but I have to just so you know what's yes. going on. Right. And what happened uh-huh. to me. Um, and it's a mechanic that other movies have used said. So like, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's movies nope. that have used premonitions, like the haunting of Hill house. Like they did that in the newer remake with um, Nell where and she was having, where she would touch something and it would, it would give her the memories of what I, happened. You know, so. I have to see this new version. I I've heard it's fantastic. I have to see it. It's great. Like I love the, the series. The series is fantastic. And Blythe was actually beautiful. You as well. I liked it. I love Blythe. Correct. Stone, you know? Yeah. You Blythe? have to remove yourself because it changes a continuity to all of the characters. Cause the dynamic is very different. It's a yeah. family dynamic, but Blythe was another one. Keep her looking. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I actually feel like the changeling because there, there's a lot that like, uh, like, like John said earlier, like if, and actually my roommate noticed the same thing because he had never seen the changeling before. So when I threw it on the other night, he was like, it, it just kind of feels like there's no mourning period for, uh, for, for George C. Oh, Scott. So, yeah. That's not kind of, normal. I yeah. kind of feel like they're neat. Like this would benefit from being a miniseries because I feel like there was so much crunched into a two hour movie. There's so much information that was very densely packed. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and like maybe this would benefit from like a mini series treatment where you 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 slowly kind of get Wait, all the information yeah. out. Um, I mean, I, I was gonna say I also just my one of the things that was a it was a it bothered me because the fact that the Carmichael's you know the Joseph Carmichael that wasn't Joseph Carmichael that he I mean he kind of felt, I felt like he knew but then he didn't know and then I thought like the the woman. Um, what was her name? Uh, Minnie. Minnie, Minnie or Miss, Miss Norma. Norma, yeah. So she was alerting him. But then I thought, well, if you know something about this house or you know what's going on in that house, wouldn't yeah. the wouldn't you just say your family owns that house? You make the choice of never letting anyone in. So that was like a weird thing. Like, well, I think I think, I, I think she tried that. Is, is that I know in England that basically if you if you have a house that has historical providence that basically you as the homeowner has no rights to the actual, you have the rights to live in it, but you don't have the rights to do anything with it. You know what I mean? Interesting. So you can't, you can't tear it down or lock it up or, because I was wondering that, like, why wouldn't he just, if I wanted to make sure no one ever was there, I would just lock it up so no one could ever use it. It's like Sackett's Harbor. Sackett's Harbor is a um, 1812 um, war place there. And most of the houses, were built at that time and you can't do anything about the exterior and the thing is is that when you sell the house you can only sell the house but the people inside the house can't do anything they can update the inside of it but they can't tear any walls down or anything else they have to be the same because it has the historical reverence they could have well, well and made a which is quite interesting is is that the, all the interior shots are all done on a set they built that whole set it's amazing you know, yeah wow well, it's quite just, amazing when you think about it. And well, speak- also the locations. There are so many locations that they filmed in, and I was I was impressed by that. Just I'm like, oh, now we're in Seattle, now we're in Vancouver, now we're in, right. in New York, and I was like, wow, you know. Uh, to mm-hmm. to to speak on John's point about the uh, about uh, uh, keeping people out of there right at the beginning. Uh, the 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 other woman at the historical society right. when when they're on the rooftop tells George C. Scott you shouldn't be there the, yeah. uh, that that you're not supposed to be in that house nobody's supposed to be in that house so I think they were trying to keep uh, people out of that house mm. intentionally because uh, uh, Norma says um, this is not a house uh, I, nobody's been in there since I've been with the historical society so it, it does seem like they're going out of their way to keep people out of that house yeah. but you would think you would also. Like, like to me, it's it was. I think it was meant to create mystery, meaning it was a great device to be like, "Ooh, what does she oh, mean?" Definitely. Right? But I, and for me, I was like, "So why wouldn't you just say uh, there's some creepy things that happen? You know, there's been be things, deaths, whatever." Think, be I don't honest, think it was because of creepy things happening in the house that they're keeping people away. I think they're keeping people away because I believe the changeling or Mervyn Douglas's character knew what was going on. And didn't know exactly that if someone was in there. Not that a ghost would be unable to do the mystery, but there might be information inside the house that could basically give up who he is and his position. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, but it seems more of a that, thing about because the old the old woman is basically the same age as Mervyn Douglas, so obviously she probably has more of a connection. For but the, the thing is, is so he seems surprised at the end because even he took his his amulet out yes. or whatever, and he looked at it and he was like confused, like, "Wait, how how can this be?" Right? I so it's weird I that he remember it, being to be honest, I think for me, I thought he knew. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he knew because the thing is, let's face it. He comes in, you know, he gets adopted from the age of seven, eight years old, so Six. he knows who's going in, going into this family sort of thing. And I think he's more shocked by how it all came out. That all that, that he found that, out. That's out I don't think he knew it was a murder. I think he. I, I think maybe he thought the the original little boy died of natural causes, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't lose the inheritance mm-hmm. they brought me in. I don't think he knew it was a murder. But but don't you find yeah, but like wouldn't when you find that weird like some, somebody whose son dies and you need to take your son's whole name and use yeah. his birth certificate? That's what I'm saying. Like he had he to know because at one point he'd be like, My name was whatever, and, and he'd be like, No, your name is now Joseph. Like what? <laughs> like why? I, I I think he I think he knew that there was that there was a death and he was replacing somebody because like I, I, it's uh, make it clear to him. You're going to when I die. You're go- or actually no. Even now, you're in charge of this huge fortune. When I, I you know when I die, everything goes to you. Um, all, all we got to do is pretend but, you're my son who died. The was is that basic, but it wasn't an adoption that took place. Basically, the kid took, came into the family. He's like, "You're going to be my son. You need yeah. to pose as my son. Yeah, you need to that's act as my son. Correct." And you basically mm. will be my son, even though because there must not because there was an adoption there. Yeah, if there wasn't, he would the whole facade wouldn't have to happen. Yeah, so obviously yeah. they brought the kid in from God knows where. He probably picked him up from a, a Dickens, you know, Dickens. Orphanage. Uh, s- sacred Sacred Heart uh, uh, was the orphanage nearby. That that's what they were. Yeah. That's what I mean, they were talking delivered. about. And then they it's sent him overseas, delivered by Amazon, I think. <laughs> with a drone and just drop the kid in <laughs> but i don't know so how they they basically had some pull with this uh, with this adoption agency or this uh with this orphanage they pull an illegal adoption they put they send the kid well, overseas no, they didn't use an adoption because there's no adoption papers well they, they, they didn't well, adopt, some kind of, they didn't brought, adopt we, we they did not adopt it yeah it was child. a scam to, for the father to keep yeah. all of the money it was oh, yeah. also yes. it was i mean obviously between all of us talking it is confusing because there was even a mention of a girl in the beginning who got hit by a car and then that went away and then it became a boy and it, it was like that was like what i'm confused by what I, happened i think that's that's melvin douglas and the woman at the historical society trying to throw them off track Oh, got mm. it. That's what I think that was. Got it. Well, I think I think Mervyn Douglas' um, character um, knew what was going on because there's no way you would know. And to be honest, you know, why didn't you, you know, if the son died and everyone knows the son died, why didn't you, you know, you just adopted someone? Yeah. No, well, how much be, do you remember from when you're five or six <clears throat> years old, though? You know, so he probably. I think, I think I think you would remember that you basically were brought in to take to take the place of someone else and you Correct. need to be this other person. Yeah. You're not being well, yeah, adopted it, to become a new son into a family. You're being, you're brought in. Correct. You got an adoption to basically be this other person who's dead. He he had to be let in because also he probably, the father wanted to make sure this kid didn't misstep because if he did anything wrong and didn't fit the part, then the father knew what was at stake. So he had to let him in on that to be like, you have a big weight on your shoulders. I'm sorry. And he could have lied to him. He could have said, you had a brother. He died. And I was adopting you. 
but you now need to take his place because you're not blood, right? So if you're not blood, you're gonna. But if you were the adopted, gonna, the child yeah. could have uh, could have had the um, could have the fortune. Yeah, well, well, and, no, and no, he no, did. No, not he, the children get the fortunes of um, their parents and their die. I mean, yeah. if it was all legal. The problem is he's the father killed somebody. Now the thing is, now the kid can go in and be stupid and you know do, do undeniability. But yeah. the thing is, I mean, when you get a bit older, when you get to about teenagers to 20, you're thinking, why am I being this other person? And what yeah. happened to this other person? I have to pretend that I'm this other person. This person yeah. died. So, you know, yeah. if he died of disease, what's the problem? Yeah. You know, why am I covering up this person's crime who basically brought me into the family? That's what you well, do. The, the, yeah. the, 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 the problem is that, that the father was skipped over in the will. So the, everything was the, the entire fortune was going to his son regardless so that that's why the whole charade had to happen at all, uh, yeah. because it, uh, basically, if the son died before, I think they said if the son dies before he turns twenty-one, then all then the entire fortune would would go to charity, and the father would lose everything. Um, so I guess, oh shit, sorry, I got a massive leg cramp. Um, <laughs> it's right in the middle of that. I mean, Joseph Carmichael's like giving away too much. Uh, <laughs> Joseph's like, shut him up now. Ooh. Yeah, do they, do, the ghosts are coming to shut me up. So, so that, that's that's how I had read it. Is uh, it, um, is uh, is that that's that's basically what's going on? Is the father's going to the father gets nothing. The, the the fortune's going to his son. His son is sickly. So if he doesn't, if he kills the son and replaces him, gets this new kid, sends him off to Europe. And uh, World War One is taking place uh, during that time, so that kind of stretches the the time that he's out there. He comes back as an adult. Nobody knows the difference. Nobody knows jo- the original Joseph Carmichael died, except maybe a couple people at the orphanage, maybe. Right. Who, so whoever whoever anyway, set I mean, up this honest, illegal. If you got money, you can buy a kid very Right. Easy. Yeah. 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 There's Anthony, Jolie, and Madonna. They do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you look like you need a home. Here's ten dollars. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that Senator Carmichael knows necessarily that the murder takes place because he's even arguing at the end. My father's not a murderer. My father's not a murderer. And he doesn't really know whatever happens when he puts that amulet down, gives him a heart attack and he dies. Well, I think he sees what happens to him. I think he gets a premonition as well. And that's what kills him. Um, I, but, but George C. Scott sees him at the house when the house is engulfed in flames. So is he having astral projection while he's having a heart attack? Again, this is where, this is where I was having the murder and it gives him a heart attack is that he did everything he possibly could do to help Joseph. Like he did literally everything he possibly could. And what does he do to repay him? I'm going to throw your ass off of the, you know, and, and run mow down, you know, Claire with a, with a, you know, wheelchair and throw you off of a banister and try to burn the whole house down. It's like, dude. And try to drop a chandelier on you. <laughs> I know. And try yeah. to drop a chandelier. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like it, that, that moment was weird to me. I would say it'd be one thing if, and then how, how the hell did, um, yeah, how the hell did the senator get there? Was it like he actually came into the home, or like it's it was that? Well, he was dying somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's his, well, it's his spirit is ghost. Basically, it's um, it's poetic justice, isn't it? So basically, right. he you know he's he's returned back to the scene of the crime, and the, therefore um, his soul will perish within the house, within the mystery of the house. It's also a crime he didn't commit. I know he was yeah. six years old when the murder happened. Yeah, but at the same time, the thing is, is like you can. I mean, you may keep telling yourself that this doesn't happen, but there's you know, there's got to be a party that knows what the hell happened. 
Well, and, you and then to, if you might choose to ignore it and, fool, and and tell yourself that no, it can't be, can't be. But even when you tell yourself something like that, you know, deep down inside, you know, you have a little bit of an idea. Well, and it's want, how whether you want to acknowledge it or not is another story. It's also how he responded to it, right? Had he said when he confronted him, he because basically, John said, "Do with it with you will," right? Like here's here's the proof that I have. And his response immediately was, if you tell anyone, I'll ruin you. Like, I'll kill you. I'll ruin you. So it's how he responded. Had he said, oh, my God, I didn't know. What can I do? Like, maybe that would have something would have changed. Right. But how he responded was like, I'm going to keep covering this up, and which also, is. You have to also think is why is why is it such a big deal that anyone stays in that house? Yeah. And because it's not his orders. So obviously yeah. he knows something. If you don't know anything, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, you can rent my house. I don't, I don't give a shit. That's, that's what I mean. It's like he had to <laughs> have known. <laughs> or you wouldn't have this woman who is like, call me if anyone's in that house. You know, like what? <laughs> yeah, Speaking then- of the house, that was the most ornate setup because that wasn't a house. That was a set. Yeah, that was a set. That was entirely built on a set. Yeah, And that's probably, that that that, that was pretty intricate you know yeah just right down to the wood carving on the staircases would, and stuff i would love to walk around that set because to be honest they did it in a great big circle so basically that way they can do panoramic shots and they can do a cam- camera shots all the way around the first floor oh, oh that's that cool an amazing looking set to be honest if you think about yeah it. they it's won't massive. do that anymore but so no <laughs> It was interesting when the, the, the music box, you know, was actually the tune that he was composing. That was quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. like elements like that. I liked the music box. I love that the pounding actually ended up being the time that Joseph died and it was him hitting uh, it. That was like really cool. I loved it. Yeah. 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 I think it could have been like, uh, it probably could have got away with being um, like an English film because there's a program on ITV and it's called The Foundlings. um, And it's basically um, kids from like the 40s, 50s and 60s who were um, given away out of wedlock or um, different things like that. Like they, they, they were like ditched and um people like strangers would take them in or or and then you've got like these horror stories of like catholic church linked orphanages where they found like bones of kids and stuff so that was up in canada wasn't it yeah that that story recently i still Uh, have not heard anything on that story you know i'm really curious find a lot of that in the united states too yeah when i first came to when i first started working with psychiatric patients here in um, the uk um, I used to, they used to send me to Shenley Hospital, which is an old Victorian mental institution, which is now a bunch of flats now. But at the time, basically, that most of the patients that were there were born there because unwed mothers would have their children there and they would stay there and stay in the mental institution. They were part of the mental institution. Um, oh, wow. Patients until the day they died. I mean, the sad thing about Shenley is, is that they... They would tend to get out in the middle of the night and walk down because it was on the top of the hill and this great big winding road. And they would tend to get run over by cars who were up going up the hill. But, um, <laughs> but, Ment- but, but mental maternity, you know, it's similar. Almost, <laughs> but it's <laughs> almost like weird when you think about that. Basically, it's like because your mom was an unwed mother and she gave birth to you there, that you were institutionalized for the rest of your life. Mm, yeah, just kind of a weird thing back in the day. You literally had nothing to do with. Bit like mm-hmm. Eleven from Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 
the scene with the ball. Um, I, I remember a couple years ago, I posted something on Facebook that I was watching it again because it had come on Shutter. And I remember my 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 cousin who, who had watched it with me maybe thirty years ago just responded, "Is that the one with the ball?" That scene still freaks me out. Yeah. So <laughs> this movie has that has that ability. It has that ability to kind of stay with you, and years later, you still remember certain moments. So. It's hey, very well about that wheelchair when I was a little kid. The wheelchair yeah. too. The wheelchair. Yeah. That's creepy. That little wheelchair because you. I was like very seen. rosebud, you know, like that. Very scene. rosebud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, there's some scenes that are, are memorable in that uh, film, uh, but there were some that I was like, really, a phone booth out in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, all by itself. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I have no snow on it. Yeah, with no snow on it. They, they Why couldn't you open the door to it? He was stuck inside there. For a second. I, was, I actually we broke door, down dude. in the Rocky Mountains, and, and this is like in the early nineties. And I guarantee you, there was no phone booth up in Estes no. Park, sitting on the side of the road. So yeah, that so, was convenient. So, yeah, so certain scenes could have been shot better, unless it was the ghost's influence on the house burning down. You know, I'm a volu- I've been a volunteer fireman and. I never seen a house that large light up so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's all wood and wicker, pine <laughs> <laughs> and paper. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do our final thoughts about the changeling and starting with you, Craig, what's your final thoughts of the changeling from 1980? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a chilling little story and um, quite a sad, like the, I mean, the premise of the story, oh, um, <laughs> the premise of the story was quite sad. Like, you know, um, yeah. to what happened to the, to the kids, you know, and because of his, um, disabilities and stuff and uh yeah it's um but I, I, my favorite scenes probably uh the piano scenes i think they were quite chilling yeah and, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and how many josephs um, how many joseph ghosts would you give this out of five <laughs> um I'll, I'll give it a three <laughs> Ooh, you're cheap over there. What, are your, what are your final thoughts of the change <laughs> It's only chilling because it's bloody freezing outside. <laughs> I'll give it four Patrick Swayze's out of a ghost. <laughs> Molly, you're in danger, girl. <laughs> I am. <laughs> no, I thought it was really, it made you think, actually, these guys are talking about it now and, and like we're recapping things. Like, you know, it was like, yeah, it was a bit kind of bit and piecey, you know, it's kind of trying to, figure out what was going on like you know but maybe that's the way it draws you in you know because you don't really it's want got, to it's a through. slow burn yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. a bit like the mouse trap actually which i've been been meaning to go to like it's still on in london you know so but um yeah but i thought george c scott was great he's such a great actor anyway like he's got yeah. a great face you know yeah but um yeah i thought it was, it's very interesting like you know, interesting movie and how many joseph ghosts would you give it out of five uh, four Patrick Swayze out of a ghost. <laughs> I think Patrick Swayze. Four, <laughs> four, I think Keith. Yeah, yeah. 
And what about yourself, Jim? What are your final thoughts of the changeling? And how many um, Joseph ghosts do you give it? I would give it a, a four Joseph ghost because uh, I like, again, we pointed out some scenes I couldn't have been shot better or some of the criteria with him mourning more so earlier than later in the movie. Um, but, you know, I liked it with the wheelchair, the ball scene. That has been burned in my head since childhood, too, since I had first seen it when I was young. But, you know, again, I know I mentioned this in another film prior that we had discussed. But, you know, this would be another perfect candidate for a remake with today's technology and special effects. I think it would make it another uh, good remake on this one. I, yeah. I, I think it would be a great miniseries remake, uh, like like because you could flesh out the story more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what about yourself, Steve? What are your final thoughts of the changeling? I didn't, I didn't catch who you asked. I think Matthew's frozen. So we'll go to Vicky. Oh, Vicky, what's your part? Yeah, you're so Matthew. What's your final? <laughs> he wasn't frozen. He was just like, <laughs> um, it's a classic. That it, I think it's a classic. It invented a lot of tropes. Uh, I think it's been um, used by a lot of people, influenced a lot of filmmakers, but I don't think it quite holds up to today's standards. Cool. So I'd and give how many, it. Um, how many Joseph ghosts do you give it out of five? In, in 1980, I'd give it four, four point five. Today, I'd give it two. No, I agree with Matthew on that. Uh, with uh, its set of precedents for some of the films today, if mm-hmm. you notice the recording, I just want to point this out quick. When he was listening to the bo- uh, the ghost voice on the recording, that was also kind of reflected me back to Sixth Sense when Bruce yeah, Willis yeah. was listening to that. So, yeah. I, you know, even though this movie could have been shot better, uh, to what Matthew said, um, right. It did set a precedence for some other ghost stories. So, mm-hmm. right. yourself, Vix. Uh, so are we giving it Patrick Swayze's or Joseph's? <laughs> never, never floats your boat. <laughs> no, I'll get, I would say give Not it a four. Yet. <laughs> I have to agree with Matthew and Jim. I, I, I guess I don't know. I think it's a good. I think it's a good ghost story. I don't think it's horror by our measure of horror but i think it's a good ghost story um i don't think it sucked completely i don't know if it translates well into you know this decade but i wouldn't mind seeing a reboot of it if someone you know could put it together like that i think what joe said um like a mini series would be really cool to expand on the mm-hmm. story i would like to see that but i don't know i liked it what about y'all what's your scoring out of five. Four. Four. And what about yourself, Joe? Your final thoughts? I'm going full five because I, I the the movie uh I think it does stand the test of time because it it doesn't try to overdo the uh the effects that would be completely dated. Um by doing everything uh the, the way they did, I think it actually be, because they didn't try to overdo the special effects, I think it actually holds up a little better. Um I love the mystery aspect of it. Um I, I I love the slow unraveling of everything. Um, I, I it, it looks like I, it looks like I'm the uh, I'm the lone one here. I think it's actually a, a perfect uh, perfect ghost story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, kind of the spiritual su- uh, successor to to the haunting in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it did a lot of the stuff that that the haunting did. You know, with the with, with the banging sounds and, try, and people trying to figure out what they're coming from, um, and like everyone else said, it did inspire a lot of ghost stories after that. 
Um, I know that in um, it, even in watching it the other night and having seen it before, there's still a sense of dread in the movie that is kind of palpable. Like, you know what's coming. You know that wheelchair is going to turn. You know the ball is going to drop. And when you hear the ball start to drop, it still kind of got me. Uh, even all these years later, even knowing it was coming. So I think that to me, and if I, I don't believe in ghosts, but this movie had me, had me like sincerely creeped out. Did you out. think the first ball dropping was the scariest or after he went and threw it in the water and it came, came back and it well, came the, back wet when it was bouncing down the stairs? I think the first <laughs> one was actually creepier. Um, it, it made no sense to me if he's holding on to the ball because it was Kathy's that he would throw it in the river at all. Like that doesn't because it'd be like no, this is my daughter. This is something I'm holding on to for my daughter who passed away. So yeah, it is. Um, So that part didn't make any. The the fact that he threw in the water didn't make any sense to me at all. But overall, though, uh, yeah, like like it still it still creeped me out at at points. I still kind I still I still found things in it that I guess I didn't realize before because in rewatching it, I, I guess I saw the conspiracy between. Uh, Melvin Douglas and um, and the woman at the uh, at the mm-hmm. historical society kind of saw that a little more. Um, so yeah, I still I, I give it five because I think I think it's about as close. Oh, it's to a good ghost, ghost story. story. I think it's close to perfect as you're going to get uh, with a ghost story. What about yourself, John? Uh, I'm going to go back to something you originally said, Keith, which was it. It is a story about a mystery, and then even playing off of that. Is it a story about a mystery that needs to be solved? And I felt like that's where, you know, I'm going to give it to Joseph's because of that reason, because at times I didn't care if it was solved. And and why I say that is because there are moments where it was the lack of, of sort of the motivation from from John, where you just he's just kind of there, right? If he was not in that house, he wouldn't care (laughs) but he's in the house but he's in that house for a different motivation right and so this just kind of gets put in front of him and then it's like ah you know while i'm here i'm gonna solve a mystery and then that's where i was just like and so it was for me uh if i because i go back to also shirley jackson the the feelings of that were very different from the feelings from this movie which was it was a mystery that needed to be solved, but I just didn't care. And I, at times, I mean, I was literally pausing the movie because I was like, oh, where are we at now? And I would come back and I, you know, and I had to rewatch the whole movie again just to be like, okay, I played it through, but I, if I'm stopping, it's because I'm not interested in the mystery that's being presented to me. So unfortunately, I gave it to Joseph's. <laughs> <laughs> Myself, I'm going to give it five. I'm going to match some Joe on that. And the reason being is because this is one of those films for me is kind of the perfect film. I like, I always like a slow burn more than uh, in your face kind of um, horror film anyway. And I love the way that it kind of just lulls you into the story. The way that I love, I love the way that the, the filming technique is done, the way that, you know, the panoramic, you know, the panoramic views and everything like that. And basically it just builds and builds and builds, but it's very, very slow and you take your, and you take your time with it. And I love that basically after all these years, and I have seen the film quite a few times, it still haunts me. It still stays in my subconscious. It has a and way of so, sticking with you. Yeah. And that's what I, and that's for me, that's the perfect ghost story. It's something, you know, like the haunting. But like I look at the conjuring films, which I think are all crap. I don't, you know, that's my personal opinion because basically these are ghost stories that are basically boom, 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 bam, bam, bam. And they, ha- but they don't stay with you whatsoever. 
I mean, the changeling, I like the slow burn and just stay with me. So for me, this for me, this is a high stop for me myself. So. brings us to The Fog, which is a 1980 American supernatural horror film directed by John Carpenter, who also co-wrote the screenplay and created the music for the film. It stars Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Atkins, Janet Lee, and Hal Holbrook. It tells the story of a strange, glowing fog that swoops over a small coastal town in California, bringing with it a vengeful ghost of mariners who were killed in a shipwreck there 100 years before. The Fog was not well received by critics upon release, but was a hit at the box office, making over 21 million domestically on a 1.1 million budget. Wow. Since release has received more positive retrospective reviews and has become a cult classic. A remake of the film was released in 2005, which was universally panned by critics as it should have been. Um, this would be the film that would end the, um, the, the relationship between John Carpenter and Deborah Hill because he would fall in love with Adrian Barbeau and the rest is history. So what we're going to do is cut to the fog, the trailer, and be right back. John Carpenter's The Fog. This is KB Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here. And let me be the first to wish Antonio Bay a happy birthday. We're 100 years old today. And keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something unknown came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Oh, Jesus. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something unnatural came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Years ago, between midnight and one, something evil came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Who's there? The fog. Antonio Bay has a curse on it. We're all cursed. There's no water getting here, but something awful cold, Ben. I think I'll go to Vancouver now. Where's the fog now? Well, it should be right outside my door now. Oh, there's something different about this fog. Dan, stay away from the door! Someone listen to me! Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. Stay away from the fog. From the creator of Halloween, the ultimate experience in terror and suspense. John Carpenter's The Fog. 
Starring Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Houseman, Janet Leigh as Kathy Williams, and Hal Holbrook as Father Malone. The Fog. What you can't see won't hurt you. It will kill you. Between midnight and one, it will find you. Hello, welcome back to Leisure License Podcast. We're discussing The Fog from 1980. And starting with you, Jim, what are your thoughts of The Fog? Um, I like the fog a lot. Um, I like the way it was. Uh, it was constantly. There was always something constantly going on with the fog. It kind of reminded me uh, with the movie Blob, you know. Instead of uh, with the fog, and when yeah. you, I mean, you saw it coming, uh, and there was nowhere you could really get away from it, and it, it kind of encircled you like that. So um, it kind of was. Reminded me of like a, a ghost story, monster movie, all wrapped up into one. And uh, I liked it a lot. I did not like the remake of The Fog. Uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Um, that one I did not like <laughs> as much as the original Fog. So, um, so. I didn't hate it, but way. I mean, it wasn't nearly as, I don't <laughs> know. I just didn't like it. I just I couldn't get into the characters like I did the other one. I went no, to see that in the movie theater and I fell asleep uh, during the remake. It was <laughs> wow, you loved it then. <laughs> it's on. It's on a giant screen with all these sounds booming, and I passed out. They should have called it the nap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but my 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 girlfriend at the, the time was a big fan of <laughs> Tom Welling. Yeah. She had such a crush on Tom Welling, and she hated the movie. And I'm like, well, if you if you don't, you know, you have a crush on the on the lead, and you're like, oh my god, this is terrible. Then yeah, mm-hmm. the the remake is pretty awful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what about yourself, Matthew? What are you, what's your thoughts about the fog? Well, as someone who lives in coastal Northern California, you know, it's we really love it because it's just uh, it's so much fun. Every time you know we're driving and the fog comes on, we're all like. You know, don't go in the fog, Andy. <laughs> like, just turn yeah. on the radio and like. Just and it's imagine always some foggy crazy in the morning woman. in California too. Oh yeah, yeah. Always foggy in the morning. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I love the idea of turning on the radio and having the DJ just completely losing their mind and saying, "I was thinking maybe there's an alternative version of this." Do you remember when the weatherman says to her, "Oh, you taking stuff to stay up at night to stay up? Oh, it makes you feel funny." Yeah. Now, what if she was in full blown methamphetamine psychosis and just up there, <laughs> imagining all that, screaming into the microphone? You know what I mean? And the whole film is through her point of view, imagining it all happening. That would be I, cool. That would be a fun. I yeah. still would have watched it. That would have been a cool twist, actually. I mean, it would be amazing because she would wake up and be like, "Oh my god, was that was I was that me or did that happen?" That would be actually really yeah. cool. I'm gonna get some weird looks in the town the next day. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I quite like the film a lot, but there are a couple of problems I do have with the film. And to be honest, I love the slow burn and stuff like that. And as you know, as far as the way it's filmed and stuff like this, and it is one of John Carpenter's bloodless films again, right? Um, like Halloween. But my problem basically is is that the Mariners are coming back to get revenge on the, the descendants. The six of what happened a hundred yeah. years ago. Yeah. So why would Adrian Barbeau or Jamie Lee Curtis 
be in any kind of threat whatsoever because they they had nothing to do with this town. Adrian Barbeau moved to this town from somewhere else. Yes, she's not a descendant from that. Well, Adrian Barbeau, she's, she's telling her. everybody but, what's going on and they no, kind of shoehorn. No, by, the, by the end of the film, they're coming after well, her. Well, yeah, the they're film. trying to kill her, but I mean, basically, you know, well, you they they pushed in another scream queen. Actually, there's like kind of like three. You got her mother and you got, what's what's the girl who else had played in... um. And uh, Halloween, Maybe he brought. Oh, Sandy. yeah, but so you got. Yeah. but the thing That's is, they really. Let, face it, J- Jamie yeah, Lee Curtis yeah, really, really doesn't have anything major. They kind of shoehorned and squeezed her into this movie yeah. because well, I think you know, she's she really grifter. doesn't do anything. She's I think just, she's. I think all her 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 role is the outsider, right? So right. I I personally love the film just because it's simple. The mechanics it are is. simple. It's not overly complex, like the changeling where the ghost has all these crazy fucking abilities that can do anything. Right. Whereas the fog is just this ominous thing that comes in and rolls in and does damage. Right. And Mm -hmm. the other thing is like, I love that it doesn't take them long to figure it out. Cause the problem with a lot of other movies like this is like, I don't know. I think it's fine guy. And then they're like murdered. You know, this was like, it was it was plausible and believable, right? And no, <laughs> I, you say it's not believable, Matthew. Yeah, I say it's not believable. It's so problematic and silly. You ever see the South Park version? No, like the Halloween special. Or <laughs> or something you know, like leopard pirates. I don't know. No, I just I just I thought mean, it wasn't fun. overly complicated. Like I just felt like it wasn't like I mean, something that it was a hundred year old curse that came back. Fine, great, believable. A little boy that can pick a ball out of a water out of nowhere, like a what? (laughs) And like, so like those types of things, like to me, I just, I had, I had fun. I felt like I was on a ride and I was like, what's going to happen now? You know, Jamie Lee was meant to be the, she was meant to be the drifter. Wasn't supposed to be there. She's got caught up in it. All right. Doesn't take her and wasn't Atkins much too long. Hello. Want to go to bed? Sure. Sure. Why not? Hey, <laughs> are you a weirdo? And then you have the, are you you have a the weirdo? Drunkard, yeah. 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 The yeah. drunkard father. I like that this breaks that rule because because uh, based on the, the 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 law of the horror movies, Jamie Lee Curtis should have been dead because of that. Oh, hundred percent. Right. Yeah. yeah. Tom Atkins. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems to be a Tom Atkins trope too, because Tom Atkins apparently he can get any woman in bed right away because he does it with Ellie in Halloween three too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's something about that Tom Atkins. He doesn't have a mustache uh, in this film, does he? <laughs> no, in this one he does not. Yeah. That's yeah, the, does, yeah. the one that we're It's not the mustache. So basically, more than a mustache going on to get the women in yeah. bed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also <laughs> laughed at, like, Father Malone. You know, Father Malone's like, I'm going to drink some wine. Like, he was just... <laughs> Well, Hal Holbrook a great was a character. saucepan in this, wasn't he? <laughs> so good. Oh yeah, this is this is one issue that I had with it. Father Malone has a grandfather who was also a priest. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> ministers, ministers, ministers have kids. I was gonna say ministers have children. Yeah, was it? Well, was no, he a minister? He comes, was they call him was he? The, the thing is that his, his title yeah, the the <laughs> Pretty cool. What's that, Keith? <laughs> The title of this film is Priest. He's he's a priest. I keep saying the priest or father such and such. The priest, father such and such. So he's supposed to be a priest. So obviously he must be Catholic. The only Catholics have priests. Okay, yeah. then how did he? Uh, somebody or or <laughs> wait a minute or he or this guy or the the his father could have 
like after this been like i'm not a priest because of what he did because he literally sentenced people to death right so you you're gonna like uphold to be a priest after that like good luck so he probably was like i'm getting i'm not doing that and i'm gonna live my life now and (laughs) had children right so he could have been a priest slash pirate yeah yeah (laughs) exactly could have been a judas priest you know Uh, <laughs> I love how uh how nasty freaking Kathy was to Sandy, her assistant. She was yeah. just I there was a line like I wanted to write it down, I forgot, but like she says something to her. Annoying and, but and, true. Yeah, yes, yeah. That that What'd line is so good. You're annoying, <laughs> but yeah, you're true. And that was like geez. Like, <laughs> Nancy <laughs> Loomis is like the female David Spade. She's just making snarky <laughs> comments. No matter what movie it is, whether it's Halloween, Halloween yeah, movie, yeah. or this movie, she's just like, oh, okay, I can't be bothered with your ass. Like, that's yeah. her entire attitude in every movie I've ever seen. Her. <laughs> I did learn something from The Fog as well, that John Carpenter's not very good with character names. Yeah. <laughs> he uses the same character names, because, I mean, Tommy Wallace. Well, it wasn't yeah. Tommy Wallace in Halloween. <laughs> and then Sandy, had, like, Sandy too. Yeah. Castle, who was the original Michael Myers. He played the original okay. Michael Myers. And- well, yeah, he he named he names the characters after his friends because Tommy Wallace yeah. is Tommy Lee Wallace, yeah. who worked Dan on who worked on Halloween, and yeah, so I think he just names all he just names everyone after his friends. Doctor Fives, I guess he was watching Vincent Price the, the oh, weekend yeah. he was writing this, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, yeah. After my God, I'm like, he's like using all these names. <laughs> but another thing is, like, he was he really wanted Janet Lee to be in this film, but does Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Lee ever share a scene in this film? They don't, do they? No, no. I mean, no. Who's the end? Really. Don't they? Oh, they wait, did, wait, wait, wait! Weren't they in the church at the end? Yeah, yeah, in the church at the end together. Yeah. But I don't even think they even say anything to each other. It's almost like they're in the same room together, but don't. <laughs> almost like mother and yeah. daughter. I think the only time that they ever had a scene together was in Halloween H2O where they actually did have a conversation. Yeah. And then she gets in her cycle car and drives off. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a couple uh, nods to, and even in this, there's a nod to Psycho. I feel like there was something that was said that I was like, I'm oh, sure that was a, that was it very was. much a ha-ha. It was. Yeah, remember? It was like she said something, and I was like, oh, that's good. They kind of bring that in. I have to sit there and say, though, the celebration, the 100 year celebration, I mean, what a sucky party that was. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let's go look at the statue. And even the statue is like this little, a little statue on top of this pedestal. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Um, Everyone has to look at it. Okay. It takes you a minute. <laughs> it's not going to take you that long. <laughs> can we get the whole town? Can we get the whole town of 50 people through this? Oh, I don't know. We need to hurry up. <laughs> with uh with, with the whole celebration that, that that brings something that i wanted to bring up uh it's very reminiscent of the um return of the evil dead a 1970s oh, yes. uh movie uh and i and i when i was watching this the other day and i haven't seen this movie in a long time when i was seeing it i couldn't help but be struck by how much of the imagery reminded me of uh amando de osorio's blind dead movies um, and I don't know if it was intentional. And I, w- when I Googled it, I found that there was a tweet that somebody had sent out and they, they put all these, uh, cl- uh, scenes side by side, uh, where it does look like this may have been, uh, inspired by those blind dead movies. Cause, uh, re- in the second blind dead movie, after the Templar Knights are killed, there's the hundred year anniversary 
of uh, of their of uh, the, the death of the Templars and this little town being freed, and they rise from the dead and come back and attack the town. So there's a uh, there's a lot of imagery. The third one was uh, was the blind dead on a ghost ship. So that's one thing. If I ever get a chance at, to to ever speak to John Carpenter, that's probably more than anything. The question I want to know is: Did the blind dead movies inspire this? <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you guys. I'll send you guys the picture so you guys can can post it that way. If the listeners want to look, there it'll be right there on the page. But yeah, I, I it's really interesting how many of the shots were uh, were set up to look like it, and how how much of the imagery does seem to match up a little bit. One of my favorite shots is the um, when uh, Stevie is going to the radio, going down, and in it's so at such a remoteness. Like I love that whole like imagining being there and that the, the in a way she, she's a little bit of the narrator at times because she has to be the one to convey the information across, you know, to I everyone. And, yeah. yeah. And these are start regular ghosts, pirate ghosts. These are lepers. And they're, yeah, pirate they're ghosts, leper okay? pirates. So there are, they're even more gnarly than a regular ghost. They've got things crawling in and out of their eyes, you know? Days. Well, they were lepers first. Does that make them leper pirates or pirate lepers? They're pirate lepers, pirate ghost lepers. Well, they're lepers before they became pirates, right? So they're leper pirate ghosts. I don't think actually I think they they're leper ghost pirates. I don't think they're pirates. I've only seen seaweed zombies in they're creep not, show. They're, they weren't pirates. pirates. They were they were just people who were going to move looking for a place. Yeah, but now they're pirates. They're coming and stealing gold and killing people. Well, they're no, they're leper ghost pirates. Friends of the leprechaun. Well, and I think was that this was also based on a story that, that of a ship that wrecked. I can't remember where it is now, but a ship had uh, wrecked in California. I think. Well, he does use the Jaws story again, doesn't he? Um, the Mary Claire story doesn't. That gets used in here. The same story yeah. that yep. um, Robert Shaw uses in Jaws gets reused in this one. This time with um, totally, about, you know, yeah. I love the music. I love the music too. It reminded me of um, that. It reminded me of the music from Dunkirk, where it's like this foreboding sound that's coming, and it just gets. It's like ascending. Yeah. You know, like something about um, it's like not an arpeggio. It's like an ascending chord that slides up. It's like go like say from G to A. You know, it's just like, and it's got that menacing feel to it. Like you know, strings on the bottom end. You know. Unless, you know, why does it take these pirates a hundred years to come back? Are they like stupid, super stupid ghost pirates or something? Oh, maybe they didn't have a sat nav or something. <laughs> they were waiting for the statue. No, just kidding. <laughs> now, when, when Carpenter released yeah. it, when he first edited it, he said that he knew in his heart it was an absolutely awful, terrible movie. Yeah. And he didn't know what to do. And that's when he yeah. got John Houston and oh, added that oh, opening yeah. scene to give it that. That, that was the best story. scene really, in the whole yeah. movie. Yeah. With really Dan Houseman yeah, that was telling like, that hadn't put story. that scene in there, I don't think it. Yeah, it wouldn't have stood the test. It of would. Time I mean, it would have just fell really, really campy. John, then. and then that he whole does scene that in the beginning was story. Story. John <laughs> Houseman just can tell yeah. a good story. <laughs> yeah. I would just yeah, pay like for story, it. Right? And, I, yeah. and yeah. actually, yeah, both both of the movies today had cast members from Ghost Story in it because Melvin Douglas, Melvin Douglas, John Houseman, yeah, and he was telling Ghost Stories and Ghost Story, so. The one that was weird too in the beginning is how they show up the first night and then once it was like midnight or one, they disappear and then they come back again. I'm thinking, yeah. Why, yeah. like, that's what it was a little weird for me. Like, why did you show up before well, came, it, it was because well, of the book? They, they, it's all within the same 24 hour period though, because they, they show right. up um, after midnight. 
and yeah. they disappear at midnight. So uh-huh. no, like, but didn't they, they show up Cinderella's. at midnight and disappear at one or something like that? And then again yeah, the next day, that, it's all within the same point. It's all done in the same twenty-four period when they show up at, after midnight, and then they don't show up, and then they show up that evening. You know, after okay. the day happens, and then they disappear at midnight because. They get their six. They, I think they kill um, Father Murphy before the stroke of midnight. Yeah. Um, and then there's... Because they, um, they only kill five people. I mean, well, six. And one of them comes back from the dead. Briefly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. But Jamie Lee about. Curtis is, like, looking Dick. away. Dick Baxter. He That's came back. <laughs> Classic jump scare. Classic Dick. <laughs> Always coming back. <laughs> I don't know. That didn't jump scare me. Did it jump scare y'all? No, I knew that was coming. It was like literally. Kind of remind me of Salem's Lot. You know, when when the mom comes up, it's like kind of around. It's like okay, well, let's kind of seen this. No, that movie scares me more, especially with Danny floating outside the window trying to get his friend to open the window up. It's like fuck you, man. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of the movie is on the rocking chair with the white with the yellow eyes. Oh gosh! Oh yeah, that's a great. Oh, that freaks me out. That's a bit spooky. Yeah. But there's something, there's something really spooky about fogs anyway, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm talking from like back in the day, you know, when I was a young lad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> do, 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 do. No, you're pushing the bike up the cobble streets, like, you know, we used to have stuff called smog, you know, which is like a combination of. Um, California has that now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were cleaning up their act. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Long before the days when we all used to smoke, you know, uh, rollies without any filters. No, but um, I just love fog. It's just beautiful, you know. Like um, yeah. um, Vicky was talking about, like, it is some beautiful. When we were in Denmark, I remember we were driving back from the gig and uh, it was like this, all this like white mist hanging around in the veils, you know. And yeah. it was just like sitting there, you know, so great, you know. You just want to run down into it, like, you know. And you get a lot of it in Cornwall and Devon. Yeah, down that's the right. Coast down here. Yeah. You do and you don't because I've been caught in fog before and it's scary as hell because you can't Dry. literally see in front of see, you. Yeah. Like, you cannot see in front of you when it rolls in. <laughs> It's you're like, literally bumping into things. Yeah. It's like, that's how crazy it is. Yeah, it's like when you go in an airplane, when you go through the clouds, you know, it's kind of the same, same feeling, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there cool. was one thing that kind of entered my mind. When Adrian Barbeau is going to work, and basically she's like walking down that long pathway to work, I thought to myself, like, what the hell do you do on a really stormy wind? <laughs> it's a really stormy rainstorm. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was thinking that too. It's like, <laughs> God. And then she played, I'm sorry, I know a lot of people like jazz, but God, man, I would not listen to her station. That, that's that's um the that's the film company too cheap to buy. Um, exactly, I love exactly. Jazz, but that was like, like here, let's put this on elevator. And also, <laughs> and well, also I like the... jazz, but I don't think she was picking out the best. No. Let's put it yeah, that way. Well, they also they also played a song by a band called the Coupe de Villes, who oh, was uh, yeah. John Carpenter and Nick Castle and Tommy Lee Wallace, I think. Right? Yes. So I, I think I think that's who the Coupe de Ville's were. So it was John Carpenter's <laughs> own music. Uh, that, that's entirely just for budgetary reasons. But the, but the music <laughs> yeah, yeah. works, though. I really like the music to, for yeah. most part. To this, I like the soundtrack to this. Easy, oh yeah, but I, I meant the this song she plays on the radio station was by a band yeah, called Coupe de Ville. So it was, it was a Carpenter original. Ah. But Carpenter's score, man, his scores are always amazing. And I actually saw him perform this score in Chicago because he toured a couple of years ago um, after he had the, the that successful uh, uh, album release. And he did a show at the uh, 
oh god, I forgot where it was, but it was here in Chicago, and they he played the Halloween theme. He played the theme from the fog. He played the theme from In the Mouth of Madness. It was just really, really cool. I love his music. Me too. Yeah, I, he does do great. Um, he does compose his film work very well. I, I think not so much know, on the jazz side of it, but on the film scores, he's fantastic. I think his Dang. music elevates his films because I think if you were to have, you know, like the the normal like John Williams uh, score under yeah. these movies, I don't think they'd be anywhere near as good. No, yeah, he's kind of sort of like lo-fi. You know, it's almost like like it could be like working with like Gary Newman or something or John Fox. You know, it's it's just it's got a great. I think he was a great, really had good a great atmosp- feel on atmospheric. yeah, good, great feel for the synthesizer. Yeah. You know, right. also we, yeah. really, I also think that there are other people that copy him afterwards. Like um, whoever did the score from Ta- um, Phantasm kind of oh, has yeah. that kind of John Carpenter feel. Same feel, sort of yeah, movie. you're right, yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think interesting guy, you know. I mean, did yeah. he do Thriller? Uh, oh God! Or, no, that's John Landis. Oh, Land- John Landis. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Um, but I mean, I think, I mean, I think the fog. I, I have to say, it's really good in atmosphere. It does carry a very good atmosphere, and it does have a way of like you know, just basically, it's a, it's just another slow burn film. Like yeah. the Changeling is basically you know paying for the sins of our father. We kind of got that thing going on again. Right. Sort of yeah. So, but I think that. And I have to say, for I think the pacing is very well done for a slow burn for a movie of this ilk, for John Carpenter as well. So, you know, yeah, I think I, it probably would have been easier for him to do another Halloween film, but it's quite because I think that's what they offered him first was a sequel to Halloween. But he said, oh, you want to do this first? And then, he, of course, he writes Halloween too. After yeah. That, so. Right. <laughs> What's your final thoughts of The Fog, then? Starting with you, Craig. What's your final thoughts of The Fog? Um, I love the movie. Um, It's one of my my favourite movies that I watch every Halloween. Yeah. Um, And um, my favourite scene is probably the ultimate favourite scene is probably the end bit where where they have the red eyes and they cut the priest's head off or (laughs) the sword and that. um, But... uh, I would say um, I like the the, in, the internal sh- uh, scenes in the radio station when the uh, when there's the curse part and the wood has the na- the, the names on it and then it comes through the radio station um, to do with the curse that was quite scary yeah. and um, but I would probably yeah if I'm going to rate it I'd, I'd probably give it a five because I watch it at least once a year so yeah, yeah I can't give it lower. Yeah. Than that. Five leopards. Five leopards. Yeah, there you go. Five leopards. Five leopards. What about um, yourself, David? What are your thoughts? Your final thoughts yeah, on the fog? It, you know, uh, it, it's just funny. Like starting to sort of really get into John Carpenter, you know, mm. and seeing how much he's done, and you know, the Halloween stuff and all that, and Scare from New York, of course, and is uh, uh, he also did? Uh, he's working with that guy Dan Dan O'Bannon. Is it Dan O'Bannon? Yeah. Yeah, you know, because that Doc Star, 
that was another classic, like you know, back in the day. But uh, the, the fog's just uh, yeah, you're right. Like like he says, a slow burner, and um, just like real atmosphere, classic, creepy hammer really, horror. Really sort good of, quality. Yeah, yeah like well. yeah. like the the, fil- the film quality was superb. I yeah. mean, that was really good. And um, I thought the film quality the was okay. Versions out soon as well, or it's yeah. out already. But oh. um, you know, I think it's um, yeah, it's a, somebody I think I would like to sort of get into a bit more you know it's like you you normally hang around like the hitchcocks and you know people like mm-hmm. this and but um yeah you know it's, oh yeah and uh by the way uh, craig's just done this great site for me uh acid monk and um i've got a song called uh uh alice which anybody would like to check out it's great you know and what, yeah uh, sorry and again just uh craig's done a great job he's trying to drag me out of the 18th century and <laughs> get into the 21st century so that's great you know and uh, of course we're helped with Tom Keith and everyone and it's great you know it's like funny I, I seem to be regressing more into the past I am going into my own fog <laughs> you know <laughs> so get out of it. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be watching too, or listening too much Bob Marley because he was definitely in a fog <laughs> Bob Marley's good he's beautiful he's a beautiful <laughs> dude <laughs> But, uh, How I many think, letters yeah. do you give the film, David? Okay. Um, out of what, sorry, Keith? How many? Out of five. Five. Okay. Um, five. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> what about yourself, Vix? What are your final thoughts of The Fog? Yeah, I'll probably say five lepers as well. Um, I think it was pretty good because it's a good ghost story. It's got everything in it. It's got the eerie. It's got, you know, the unknown. It's got the ship. But, I mean, what's more scary than a ghost ship, you know? Especially for those guys that got killed first. It's just like something comes up and says, Elizabeth Dane, that just scares me. That's just even a scary name because you know that, you know, it's just has got something about it. But I, th- I thought it's, I think it, don't, don't, it, just don't watch the first, the, the new one first. If you want to watch both of them, do it, but watch the old one first. Yes. Because the 2005 version sucks balls. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slog to get through that 2005 one. <laughs> and what about yourself, Matthew? What are your final thoughts of the fog and how many lepers do you give it? Well, uh, it's a good, campy, silly fun. And one of the great things about it is you can watch it with like an eight year old. <coughs> you know, that I think. Yeah, that... you could. Yeah, you could. Yeah. So I would say, like, I would give it four or five if you're with a child. But compared to like John Carpenter's The Thing, which I consider one of the greatest films ever made, me too. I give it like one. It. Yeah. You know, I mean, like the thing is just so good, and the fog. Are you talking really the old good. thing? Or are you talking the newer no, one? Not, not oh, Howard Hawks. Carpenter. You know, Howard Hawks. The Carpenters. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you remember that one? That something the swamp. Uh, swamp Matt? thing. Yes. Thing. Was, you know. So uh, sorry. Just, yeah, that's John Carpenter's thing. But it's it's a pretty silly stuff there. Mm. What about yourself, Jim? What are your final thoughts? Well, I think it's. Uh, Matthew, you're never babysitting my kids. <laughs> I, I mean, put on Frozen, put on any other Disney film, but if you're an eight-year-old with the, the box, I don't know, Asher really grew funny. up with the walking dead. So. Oh, yeah. Or they're just never going to go oh, into yeah. any fog ever again. You showing your kids the fog is the least you got to worry about for me, man. Like, yeah, uh, same here. Yeah. I'm going to be firing up joints, putting on fucking Serbian films. <laughs> <laughs> um, drunk I, as hell dressed as Pennywise yeah dressed as Pennywise <laughs> well, the kids will sleep good um, so, <laughs> with, with the fog I like the, the influences it's set um, I watched it when I was young 
Um, it yeah. came out in uh, 79. Halloween came out in 78. Yep. And, and uh, he banged out a lot of films, right? Uh, Corman mm-hmm. Payne, uh, put out a lot of films right away. It was Halloween, The Fog, and then Halloween 2 came out the year after. Okay. So he was pressed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he was on a roll, you know? I did like it because, uh, you know, it, it influenced us growing up in our years. And, and you all can say this because when the fog rolls in, what do you think first? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. oh, the movie Fog. The Fog, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, They're here. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it, it's a good Halloween movie. And, it is. Um, you know, you got to love the unknown in the movie uh, of The Fog. Um, you're standing in thick fog and you think about it. You cannot see and you possibly have a leper serial killer right out in three feet in front of you. Who's also if, dead. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even if you survive, you got to worry about catching leprosy with all the yeah. and stuff like that. So. Yeah. But you know, Andy was not as scared of anything. That kid was like, I'll go out in the dark in the fog, whatever. That kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Always what the children. leopard pirates say to the hooker? <laughs> <laughs> Keep the tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll I'll give the fog. I'll give it five lepers, five joes, and uh, four roadhouses. How's that? There, well, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Joe? What are your final thoughts of the fog? Um, I think it makes a great double bill with, with the changeling because it's two yeah. great ghost yeah. stories, but they're two very different types of ghost stories. Um, this one was a lot more on the, you know, like, like, uh, like Matthew said, the more fun and campy, uh, side of it. Whereas, uh, the changeling was a lot more serious. Um, also like Craig said, I, I, this wouldn't seem out of place, like with, like in a marathon of like hammer films. That's actually, that's actually a good way to put it too. Um, I grew up with this movie too. I love the movie. I think it's actually creepy. Um, I, the, the imagery in it is fantastic. I love the uh, end where they got the eyes and everything and the church. Oh, coming yeah, up church. I think it's, I, I think it's a nice spooky little ghost story. Maybe it is saved by John Houseman at the very beginning. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I, I know a lot of people complain about it being kind of slow for, uh, for a carpenter movie. I have no issue with that. I'm fine with it being kind of a slow burn. And it's only like what, like 92 minutes or something like that. Not so that long. Really, mm-hmm. It's really long either. Mm. So uh, personally, yeah, I love it. Um, as for John Carpenter, like, I think out of all the, the American horror directors of the time, uh, like, like him and Toby Hooper and, uh, Don Coscarelli, Wes Craven, all those guys, George Romero, I've, I've always said that they're great horror filmmakers. I think John Carpenter is a great filmmaker that made horror movies because I think he would have done well, no matter what, uh, what type of movie he was making. And we saw that later on with like, uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China and, Right. All those other movies. I think he's just thirteen as well. So, yeah, Sultan Precinct thirteen before this. Yeah, I I think he's just a great filmmaker that just happened to to work predominantly in horror. Whereas George Romero was a great horror filmmaker. He's, I've seen him. I, I, uh, what was it? There's always vanilla is not that good, you know. (laughs) Um, so I, I I wasn't too much of a fan of any of the other guys outside of like the horror sci-fi genre. Mm -hmm. Whereas John Carpenter, no matter what he did, I like it. Um. Well, up until Ghosts of Mars. Uh, so, personally, I love the movie. I, I think it fits in great with The Changeling. A nice little ghost story double bill. Mm. Uh, 
just chill out, have fun, watch two great yeah. little spooky movies. Mm-hmm. Bring your kids, yeah, smoke some weed. What's the other thing? Neither one of these two movies tonight had anything that like would be like completely objectionable if you did no. have kids around. It yeah, might scare a little kid a little bit. But, no, I showed yeah. my eight year old the fog. She didn't blink. She was like, whatever. And it's <laughs> Asher's no- so used to all the cool CGI and stuff now. He's going, this is not scary, yeah. Grandma. There's and I no- go, well, I thought it was when I was eight. My son committed the mortal sin and said Jaws was boring. I'm like, I'm still not. Oh no, Asher loves Jaws. His mother yells at me all the time for letting him watch that, but that's why he comes over to my house on the weekends. With these these two movies, there's no over the top gore. There's no. There's no. There's no sex and you know any of that stuff. So yeah, I suppose if you want to show your kids. Yeah. He's like, that's why I gave it a two. <laughs> there was, why'd you give it a two? There's no tits nah, and ass. Nah, I was like, no, no. <laughs> or blood, or know. guts, or brains flying yeah. into the wall. Transgressive blood quality. cannons. <laughs> isn't isn't that one of Joe Bob Briggs's rules that there's no naked breasts you automatically deduct one star? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and usually it has to have more than three thoughts? or four breasts in it. So, <laughs> Do you anything you I, like? I actually, uh, again, I'm going to give it five just because I, I like that it isn't, it's, it's meant to be a little bit campy and not serious. Yeah. And like, it's meant to be a fun little adventure. I also love just the way it was shot that coastal town. I'm from California. So they right. seeing the coast and seeing that was like, Oh, I miss, you know, I miss yeah. that fog is creepy to me. I think just the unknown, that element of it balances the campiness of it. Right. right. Cause Anytime you have a priest carrying around a 50 pound golden cross just to get it away from everyone, yeah. <laughs> you just have to kind of laugh in this moment because yeah. the fog is like creepy as hell. But like, that's the, the kind of fun with that. Like I, I just, that's what I love about that film and good for him to take a chance. Cause he could have been, you know, bartered by the studio to go and do another Halloween right away. And he, yeah. If I remember correctly, hearing the story, he saw the fog rolling in in San Francisco, and he mm-hmm. just had this sort of vision in his mind of what he wanted to do for a film, uh, coupled with, as Vicky said, that story. So I think it's and and also good for him to have the vision that once he did it or once he filmed it, he went back because he almost felt like it was too campy. So he had to reshoot. Yeah, um, he wasn't you know, happy. He was like not happy with and and it to me. It could have been really bad. Like, imagine like the CGI effects of having that fog roll in. It could have been like this is to me. It was actually pretty well done for the time, you know. And like in the eighties, seeing that, I was like worried, going, "Oh God, is this going to look really bad and cheesy?" No, it actually, it actually looks ominous, ominous, you know. I like it still. Yeah. So I loved it. I'll give it five leprous. What about you? Without breasts. Myself, I'm going to give it three and a half. And the reason being is because I, I think the use of miniatures and stuff like this, he's grown as a filmmaker, and I like that. Yeah. My problem basically is, is that they set off at the very beginning that the ghosts are going to come back and kill descendants. So for me, he kind of does a Sherry Moon Jack, um, Sherry Moon zombie sort of thing, where basically we mean to make sure Adrian Barbeau has a big, huge climatic scene at the end. It doesn't make right. sense. She's not a descendant sort of thing. And I kind of think that... You know, when they do find the bodies and stuff like this, and there's no cutting, you know, there's a little bit of things that kind of bother me. Like, you know, when the three the sailors do get killed by um, by the ghost, and mm-hmm. basically, you know, you basically, you know, we basically get, you know, 
swords and uh, um, axes shoved through them. And basically the bodies are like, oh no, they just got, they just drowned. They drowned on the ship. And you're like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Sort of thing. And if Andy got killed, I probably would have raised it to about a four because I hated it. <laughs> it was god awful. Because we know how Keith Nothing loves all children. The Hollywood bowl cut. I don't know what yeah. Hollywood has with their children and with their bowl cuts, but it's a god worst awful thing. And he's just like, and if I was that old woman, I would have threw Andy out there here. And then you, t- if you're so worried about the door, you go out there. Now I would have shoved him out, shut the door, and saved myself. But that's yeah. Crazy. Instead, she gets pulled outside. Yeah. But I do love the atmosphere, and I do love this. I love the you know the the the, the, the atmosphere in the story, and I love the the origin story as well. And I, I quite like that. It's just that um, it doesn't seem like there was a huge threat to anyone that who wasn't descended. That's the only problem. And then when you find out the only they only needed six bodies. It kind of like so everyone in that town basically didn't really have to run away in the fog, did they? <laughs> so, yeah. And that's more of an afterthought, but I did enjoy the film while watching it at that time too. So. There are truly so many podcasts and we will be covering next week the dark shadows. And of course we are going into our Christmas month, which we'll be doing little shop of horrors, starting with the book to screen, which is green thoughts written by John Kelly from 1939. And we'll be also covering the Rodman 1960 film and the musical film from the eighties starring Richard Dreyfuss and directed by Frank Oz. Of course, we'll be continuing our Bewit session and our 80s, um, Welcome to the 80s, we'll be dealing with two films that were ahead of their time and are considered cult classics today, which will be Shock Treatment by Richard O'Brien, um, which is the, the sequel remake um, equal to Rocky Horror Picture Show and hey. Streets of Fire, which was directed by, I forgot. I'll tell you. I'll put that in there. <laughs> but of course, um, we did um, interview E.T. Daly, and we'll have our interview that will be up in December as well, along with our interview with Jim Beaver, star of Supernatural yeah. and Boardwalk Empire, and he'll, his interview will be up for, on Christmas Day. So it's good night for myself, and good night, Craig. Craig, good night, <laughs> Craig are you there still? <laughs> Joseph, get you. <laughs> um, good night, David. Uh, good night, everyone. Good night, Keith and uh, Pirates of the Halloween. <laughs> uh, good night, Matthew. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Um, good night, Jim. Thanks for joining us. Good night, Keith, and good night, everybody. It's a pleasure. Good night, good night, good night John. <laughs> good night, y'all. Good night, John. Good night, John boy. Yeah, good night, John. Good night, everyone. And it's Walter Hill that <laughs> directs the fire. Walter Hill. And good night, John. Good night, folks, and happy Thanksgiving, folks. We're not going to see each other, so happy Thanksgiving. Happy Tofurky Day for all the vegans. And good night for myself, and we'll see you next week with Dark Shadows. I keep 
going to the river to pray Cause I need something that can wash out the pain And I'm bored, I'm sleeping all these demons away But your ghost, the ghost of you, it keeps me awake My friends, I can figure it out Yeah, the soul that's inside of you It's right hiding another you But your evil was coming through Your ghost, the ghost of you, it keeps me going. 